Welcome to the third episode of the All Talk Podcast. I'm Michael Whalen, and with me today is special guest co-host, in the absence of Hester, Brent Lowry. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Uh, Brent's a good friend of mine and actually has his own show, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about it. So, Yeah, um, my good friend Eric and I have the Friday Five podcast. We've been doing it for about a year and a half now. We discuss everything from the 80s to today, and we have a lot of fun with it. We're uh, kind of knee-deep in Halloween stuff right now, and yeah, it's a good time. And I thought, since I was a guest on your podcast, that maybe I could bring over one of the mini segments that we do on the show and test your uh, wrestling knowledge just a little bit. How about that? Which actually, with that in mind, yes, and I should point out, topic of today is professional wrestling, but more to the point... All Elite Wrestling, which premiered about two weeks ago on TNT, and eh, just kind of our review of it. I knew the man for the job to actually discuss this was Mr. Lowry here, because frankly, he's the only other dude I can think of off the top of my head who's seen it and can string together since. So here we are. <laughs> and with let's, that in mind... Let's go and do this. We call this the Rapid Fire Rewind on the Friday Five Podcast. It's basically just a, uh, it's a collection of five different questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have 30 seconds to answer them. You can pass and come back to one. And are you ready? Sure, why not? All right, we have 30 seconds. And let's go ahead and start. Who eliminated Ric Flair in the 1993 Royal Rumble? Mr. Perfect? Yes. What WWE legend managed to appear on Monday Night Raw, Monday Nitro, and ECW syndicated TV show on the same night? Did you say a manager specifically? Could be, yeah. Okay. Rick Rude? Yes. Who accompanied Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 9? Sherry Martell. No. Uh, tied at seven each, which two superstars hold the record for the most appearances in a WrestleMania main event, as in the final match? on the card I would assume Hulk Hogan and John Cena no what was the name of Randy Savage's wrestling character when he started in 1973 Randy Savage doesn't even know that <laughs> okay well that's not the right answer but we'll go over it really oh, quick yeah, yeah yeah about the wrestling jeopardy and that Jesus <laughs> anyway well I, I wasn't sure Um, you got the first one right Mr. Perfect when the, you say, by the way, if we get to it and you say, no, it was Sensational Sherry, I'm going to choke you out with this mic, because <laughs> it turns out those are the same human being. Anyway, go no, ahead. Um, the WWE legend that managed to be on all three shows at the same time, Rick Rude, you got that right. Yeah. Who accompanied Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 9? It was Luna Vachon, which I do not remember that at all. But that might have been that weird little period where something, something, a mirror was broken over Sherry Martell... And he briefly had her as a manager, but it was like so short that it's easy to forget about. Yeah. But now that you mentioned it's like, oh yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, anyway. Tied at seven each. Two superstars hold the most appearances in WrestleMania main events. Hulk Hogan uh, was right. And then Triple H. They're tied at seven. Huh. Uh, Randy Savage's character when he first started in 1973. To clarify, when we say main events, we're talking like last match on the card. The right? final match. Gotcha. Yeah. Just make sure. Anyway. Um, it was the Spider. The spider. The spider. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that never took off. I wonder why he's much more famous for me. You did really well, else. but you did not pass the rapid fire rewind. But that's okay. That's fine. Yes, yeah. I don't care. 
and the points are all made up. So there we are. There we go. Anyway, but yeah, to the topic at hand, like I said, today we're specifically talking about All Elite Wrestling, a new upstart wrestling company that has premiered on TNT, Old Stopping Grounds of WCW Nitro, on Wednesday nights at 7-ish, depending on where you happen to be listening to this from. So, with that in mind, I figured probably just kind of to give people a nice parameter on kind of where we are on maybe just wrestling in general before we even get into this. Just kind of a bit of our own personal details, wrestling fandom, etc. So, with that in mind, when did you start watching wrestling? You know, I you know we got notes yesterday actually, kind of breaking down what we're going to talk about, and I had to really think about it. Like, what was some of my first memories of professional wrestling. And it was around the 1990-1991 era that I can truly remember seeing wrestling for the first time on TV. Um, Now, to clarify, this is not to be confused with like when you just started like watching it. Just you remember seeing it or... The first thing I ever remember seeing Uh that was wrestling was it was Sting and Rick Rude. It was on TV. Um, I don't remember what happened. I think it was like it was either a highlight show or something, but it was Sting versus Rick Rude. And that's kind of the first memory I have. So WCW was really the first thing that really was presented to me. Mm. And, you know, as a kid, I knew about Hulk Hogan and, you know, Andre the Giant. That was just part of kind of Americana at that time. But WCW was really the company that I started with. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's better than my first brush with professional wrestling. It was they brought the wrestling bear to the Marshall Mall. The re- <laughs> Wait, what's the wrestling bear? Well, what does it sound like? It's a re- it's a bear that you wrestle. Well, not a bear that I wrestle. I was like freaking six. Actually, no, I was like freaking three. But oh, was it the actual bear? Like they would get in the ring? Yeah. Now I'm not oh. certain that it's the one that was kept like you know under the Hart House in Calgary, you know, next <laughs> to the dungeon or whatever. But it was literally they would bring a freaking bear through, and three random guys or so. would get in the ring with it and a big quotes around wrestle, but you get the point and, uh, survive. Yeah. My main memory of that is that one of my dad's friends was in there, like in full tights and trunks, get up who looking back on it. I don't know. Maybe he was a pro wrestler and I somehow escaped that. Couldn't tell you, but yeah. So they had a bear wrestle three or four random lucky people in, uh, the Marshall mall. So that, that was fun. Wow. Other than that, and I mean, again, growing up in Texas and whatnot, uh, a lot of world class, you know, memories of the Von Ericks, the Freebirds, that kind of thing. And like you kind of said, there was no escaping wrestling, particularly around like 84 on, you know, Hulk Hogan was a big thing, Macho, Roddy Piper, etc. But I think when I first started taking it, like actually sat down, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this, not counting like the cartoon, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling was probably around the time of WrestleMania, like the build-up to WrestleMania five, when you had like Macho Man was champion and he and Hogan were tagging together as the Mega Powers, and then you know how that went. See, you... See, I remember WrestleMania five because WCW went up against it, it at the Superdome. Remember that? No, no, I don't, because I was watching <laughs> WrestleMania five. Yeah, it was... Uh, like Flair, the true fans. Flair Steamboat was in the main event. I think that was their first match i think the class of, the the clash of champions that was on free tv against yeah. the pay-per-view yeah that, if i recall 
might have upset McMahon a little and yeah. led to a certain amount of, okay, you'll really enjoy this then. You well, know, that's well, where they're in the Superdome and they only had, I think they had 5,000 people. Jim Cornette has a famous quote. It's like Kerry Von Erich versus Ric Flair was a match that needed a stadium. Every other show like David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions that was had in Texas Stadium was a stadium that needed a match. Sounds like you saw that or a yeah. version of that, basically. I have a very vague memory of that because I remember my Uncle Randy was a huge, huge wrestling fan. He was really into like all the Mid-South stuff. And- was that the show where at the end of it, Funk? Pile drives, yes. flare through Okay, I've seen <laughs> well, that the t- show. I just didn't see that show then. <laughs> Unfortunately, the yeah. table doesn't break. Yeah, yeah. Um, fun fact: uh, it, when it doesn't break, far worse than when it does. But yeah. oh, I have um, a, I have a really like vivid memory of watching the lead up show to the I believe it was Halloween Havoc Chamber of Horrors match. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, they did like the free preview show before the pay-per-view. Was this like the one where they electrocuted Abdullah the Butcher <laughs> yes. or whatever? And I didn't have... Which, I by didn't, the way, another thing, if you watch that unblinking, I don't want to hear anything about Bray Wyatt either. <laughs> I'm just saying. Go I, ahead, did, I didn't really understand the concept of pay-per-view. Uh-huh. So I remember watching it and Cactus Jack was climbing on the cage and hyping it up, you know, uh-huh. and then they cut. And I was so upset. Yeah, it's like... Well, I, Wait a minute. But I was watching this, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's this pay-per-view? Uh, I can also recall the first time that wrestling shocked me, and it was uh, Rick Rude slamming Ricky Steamboat's face into the concrete, which I think was a lead up to a match at Beach Blast, or, a, or it might have been right before their um, Wrestle War, or War Games at the time. I don't remember. It was around that time, but I remember Steamboat got busted open, mm-hmm. and that's the first time I had ever seen that, like a guy get busted open. And it was just like, whoa. Okay. I mean, I, I kind of got the vibe of what a real blood feud was then. The first guy I ever saw I got bust open was Hogan, and I believe it was in a... I know it was in a cage match. You know, the big blue cage you used to have in the WWF. Yeah, I uh, love those. The guys didn't, apparently. <laughs> Turns out, steel hurts. Anyway. Um, now they have, like, a rubber uh, chain link. It has, like, that rubberized coating around it, you know? It's sure, not as, why not? It's anyway. Not cool. Oh, ran into it, broke a rib, ran into this, did not. Yeah. <laughs> Any case, point of matter is I cannot remember specifically I whether it was uh the cage match with Andre or the cage match with Boss Man, but I know he bled in the cage match with Boss Man, it's just I think it could be the blood in the other one too. But I mean that was back in the days where it's like if there was a cage match, somebody was gonna bleed. <laughs> Like, you know, that was a guarantee. I like, really need to track down this nowadays match Andre. with, you know, the land of now nah, we really don't want to give people hepatitis that they're kind of do that at a minimum. But back then, oh, no, no such concerns. Yes, everyone bleed all over everyone. I'm picturing Andre trying to escape through the door or over the top. I, I think he chose the door by that point in his career. I don't think climbing was really on the table. Moving along, okay, so to clarify then, though, roughly 90, 91, give or take, and... Between, like, late 89, 90. WCW, yeah. really the company that kind of just grabbed That me. was the one that, okay. you know, sucked me in and got me into professional wrestling. Yeah. Okay. For me, I guess 89-ish, and or maybe 88, 89, and WWF, so... Okay. That's kind of cool, dude. Yeah. Entirely different... At, uh, at war already. Um <laughs> yeah. And all right. Anyway, to the next question: Who was your initial favorite wrestler? Well, I mean, this might be an obvious one because I was into WCW, but it, it was Sting. Sting was created for kids my age, 
around that time period. I don't really know if he had a what choice. What about a colorful guy with a blind bleach flat top who's all, you know, ripped and what what would appeal? What about that would appeal to a kid like in a, the late 80s early 90s? I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 right now it's exactly. Yeah. And you're you're going to make fun of me for this because you're going to be like, "No, he wasn't." But Bobby Eaton was always one of my favorite wrestlers. Actually, fun fact, same here. Really? Yeah. I was a I don't know he, he didn't have much of a personality, but man, I just really liked his style. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day, but yeah, it, it's particularly when you kind of take into account that now like a Phoenix splash is how a guy sells a punch. Okay. But like back then, like him doing the Alabama jam, which was literally just a leg drop off the top rope was like, oh my God, that was the greatest thing ever. I would be scared to death to take that. <laughs> Or, or do it. Oh, it's easy. You just try not to kill the guy. Yeah. It's fun. Anyway. <clears throat> I liked him in the Blue Bloods, too, with Stephen Regal. Sir Robert Earl of Eaton, if I recall. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> he was like the biggest redneck on the planet. Yeah. And he was suddenly like a proper gentleman. I have pretty fond memories of the Midnight Express going up against uh, Rock and Roll Express and whatnot. First memories of Jim Cornette and his... Nice little tennis racket. I know people that still want to punch Jim Cornette after all those years. They know it's predetermined, whatever. It's like still like, no, nah, I hate that guy. Did Jim Cornette start out in a mask? Because I saw... No, he started out as a photographer like in the Tennessee area. Like, yeah. I was watching some... I don't remember what it was, but it was back early as 90s. As far as I know, he was always Jamesy, shall we say. But yeah. But he was in a mask in some promo, but I don't recall. I would assume that probably wasn't starting out then. That was probably like, you know lost must leave town match and <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> that's not jim no i'm definitely not jim Cornette. <laughs> says guy who looks and sounds exactly like jim Cornette in a mask you yeah. know one of those kind of things yeah but yeah don't know for sure just a guess did you answer the question like who I your did not. favorite yeah who's your favorite to begin with hogan yeah like, see th that's I, funny hogan wwf sting you know they were the big guys that were just shoved out there to well and again for and I mean, it's funny because Hogan and Sting are quite different, but at the same time, appeal to basically the exact same, particularly yeah. at that point. Like, okay, you know, were you a kid? Were you a fan of Schwarzenegger, Stallone, et cetera? Action heroes, is that and the other? Okay, well, what was Hulk Hogan? You know, there you go. Oh, yeah. Same with Sting. So, yeah. And I mean, uh, for different, and I mean, I'm wrong. Hogan's still a favorite, but like looking back on it, you know, kind of for different reasons now, because I like recognize a lot about him, but, you know, I mean, he was just sort of like that, just, you know, just that unbeatable guy. Like, you, you just never get Hogan. And so, yeah. Was there somebody else? Worked like, on me as it should have, I suppose. I say, was there somebody else? I know there probably was. But, you know, I said Bobby Eaton, which is kind of off the beaten path. In a way, you mm. know, from somebody going from Sting to Bobby Eaton. Was there somebody else as a kid that you were just kind of a a fan of? Savage. Savage, yeah. And again, considering when I started watching, you know, it's like seeing these guys basically as a team. <laughs> <laughs> and then break apart. It's like, hey, wait a minute. This is horrible. They're friends. And I mean, you know, from like the world class side of it, you can also throw, you know, the Von Erich family in there, like any given member, probably specifically Carrie Von Erich for me. I think before I was actually, I think David Von Erich had died before I was really even kind of like with it as far as like able to know anything or pay attention to anything, let alone pro wrestling. So. Yeah, yeah, but Kerry Von Erich to me was always kind of like the standout. Like the rest of these guys are good. That guy's great. 
you know, I got to think. But I mean, I would say it was probably the three of that particular time period. Later on in a couple of years, kind of when Hogan sort of started slowing down and kind of like teasing retirement, which I don't know that he's even to this day officially announced it, but you get the point. He's still talking about another match. Yeah. Like, eh, you know, like there were some others, but I mean, and, you know, so Sting was another, you know, because I remember when he disappeared for a little while, like I basically kind of flipped over WCW and Sting, you know, became. I think another thing kind of, you know, concerning WCW being the main thing, WWF didn't really tour um, entry Porter Bozier. I mean, they, in like starting around 90 to, gosh, 2000. I don't, yeah, they, I don't remember any shows. They would hit Tyler on occasion. Yeah. And me growing up, you know, on Marshall, which is pretty much Texas border, I, you know, I would occasionally get to go to one, but yeah, it's like if you're far enough away and, you know, as we were kids, so not exactly at liberty to just hop in the car and go for a drive. Yeah. You were kind of limited. And once you went to a live show, like yeah. WCW, you know, which in my case was WCW, because like I said, WWF didn't really come here. Well, I think we talked about this, but That's, our first like big time live show, I think was the same show. I think it was that WCW yeah. show in 92 that had Sting versus Jake Roberts. Yes. That seals the deal when you go see it yeah. live. It's like, okay, this is my company. Speak for yourself. Well, but for anyway, me anyway. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. I enjoyed it. It's just still. But uh, I'm trying to remember. They're... And I mean, I had seen other stuff because, you know, like you would have like world class or whatnot come through Marshall and this, that, and the other. But I mean, we're talking like the Marshall Civic Center and, you know, their little plastic chairs and everything. Like, and still, it's like going to like WCW. It's like, okay, this is an arena. You know, this is a quote unquote real show. And as far as, as I know, as opposed it, to here's a rec center and we shove some chairs in it and there's a ring. Enjoy. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, it wasn't until what, 2001 that WWF finally came back? I want to say I was on some website not too long ago, and I want to say that maybe there was a WWF show or two that ran maybe at some point, like in the eighties when they were all at the height of their powers yeah, and like yeah. had three, you know, groups touring or something like that. But as far as I know, at least in my lifetime where I was cognizant of it, the first WWF show was that house show right after like sometime, well, not right after sometime in the months after WrestleMania 17, Yes. Austin had turned heel and you had Austin versus The Rock as the main event. So Still the best house show I've ever been by it was far. Sold. It's like out. it was they they pulled out all the stops. You had pretty 15, much every guy 000. from WCW who was worth a damn was there. It was just yeah. And that was one where it's like you go to that place now and you look up and it's like you don't see anybody in like the second tier, but it's like back then it was like I the world was there. 15,000, 16,000 people were at that house show. Easily. That was, yeah, that was one of the wildest shows I've ever been to and definitely the most memorable house show, at least. By far. I still remember at the end of it, they did the Margaritaville bit and then The Rock hit Austin with his finish. Then Austin crawls over, grabs the mic, you know, selling the entire time and it basically tells everybody to go out. And buy some Stone Cold Steve Austin merchandise and to have a good night. It was, <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. I loved and anyway. hated Austin as a hill, but he he was he was funny. Yeah, he was funny. Like whether it was a good decision, eh, probably not. But still, uh, the man knew how to do it. Just saying. 
Uh, that said, that brings me to my next question. Although I think we kind of might have just inadvertently answered it. Favorite time period in wrestling? Well, I mean, I would have to say like 91 through 97. I really think that's, for me at least, when it you know was at its peak and the Monday Night Wars were really going hardcore. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm speaking mainly for WCW. I mean, they I, didn't start till 95, so. Yeah, that, but I, mean, but I mean, I'm speaking mainly from a WCW perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so you loved the Jim Hurd era with the Hunchbacks and Big Josh and, and Oz. I was, I mean, I, I wasn't a big fan of them, but I mean, I love oh, that. Oh, you don't like Oz? What, you think you're too good for Kevin Nash? I don't, I don't, How dare you? Don't Get off fan, my show. I'll do a fan of, of Oz. House. I just, I do love that really old school, campy, kind of dirty looking WCW vibe that they had, you know, just kind of like. So just the sort of, I'm trying to think when I should put this, but the grimy sort of Southern fried wrestling. Yeah, I, to, I do. Yeah. I did really like that. I mean, you know, the rise of, you know, Vader and Sting's feud and. You know, Ravishing Rick Rude and Nikita Koloff, and I, I really did enjoy that. And that is the thing. It's like, even if that is considered to some people like kind of like a dark point in history, it's like, uh, never is there ever a point where it's like just everything sucks. Well, actually, I take that back. There was a point that was called WCW in its dying days, but we're not going to talk about that much right now. But it kind of going from WCW and then yeah, WWF, of course, 97 through like 2006. I think was an amazing time. But going back to early WCW, like I just mentioned, 91 through 97, I mean, mm-hmm. even before that, the amount of talent that was in that company is insane. Going back and looking at it, you know, at the time it was like, uh, you know, but the people that they had, mm-hmm. that's why it's such a shame that it didn't last longer than it did. Cause I mean, they had everything. They had a heck of a roster. So what I mean what what was your favorite time period? For me that's a little bit of a toss up because like I said it's like kind of like no matter how dark and dreary no matter if you have for some reason a guy who's apparently a garbage man by day and a wrestler by night there was always usually something good I could find about it but for me it is probably a toss up between I guess kind of like late peak WWE when I first came into it, you know, so again, like Macho Man, Hogan, Warrior, Piper, etc. on top. Kind of bleeding into like, I guess the era when Bret Hart became the guy. So maybe I'm just going to say roughly 88 to about 93. And then, and this is just as a whole, 96 to about 2001. So basically the whole Monday Night War attitude era. Yeah, and I'll, I have to mention ECW, too. That was also a really fun time to be an ECW fan. Yeah, it was even more fun if you could actually get it on your television, which I couldn't. So <laughs> Well, it was, fun, was, it was fun to rent the videos from Blockbuster. I will say, and again, Hester and I are notorious for these tangents, and here's one. One thing's always funny to me, we had a station over in Texas, I think it was KTVT or something, started out as Channel 39, blah, blah, blah. It's one that world class was actually on and it eventually kind of like over the years it became like a cbs affiliate or whatever and they took it off because we didn't need two of those but they aired the rangers games and i think they might have aired them exclusively and so there was some sort of something with the cable company where they would run you know the rangers game and because it was marshall and 90 percent of any given people 
person running anything isn't paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing a lot of times after the Rangers games would go off, you would occasionally get like an episode of ECW. Just so just, because they had forgotten to cut the feed. So just randomly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they're during baseball season. Occasionally, I catch an episode of ECW. I remember seeing Rob Van Dam for like the first time, like during all that and just being like, well, this guy's amazing. But that was about it. Like I didn't have like a consistent, you know, mostly I heard about ECW. I was aware of it. But, you know, there was the Internet was still kind of a foreign concept for a lot of people at that point. Really, only so much you could do. So, anyway. Well, yeah, videotapes and then TNN. Yeah, and occasionally, dude running your cable company isn't paying attention <laughs> and forgets cut feet. That's great. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. You felt like anyway. you were really getting something special. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Falcon Cable, which is no longer with us. God, I love that Probably because of stuff like that. I would anyway. subscribe. Falcon? Oh, trust me, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> All right. It's like, yeah, you think Comcast is bad. I'll show you bad. Anyway. But again, sometimes incompetence works your favor, and you get to see some ECW because they forget to cut the feed after the Rangers game. So, you know. Great. Silver lining. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. So, yeah. Uh, which, unfortunately, yeah, speaking of like dark days, yeah. A lot of the ECW I did get to see came when they finally got on TNN. And, you know, that was for uh, basically about two a year to about two years before they completely went under not so. their best it was great to see mike awesome murder people though yeah in his own sort of way and i will say just incredible was like as far as like bad guys go like oh yeah you definitely hated this dude he did a good job of that you also had the weird dusty run there yeah that was he went up against uh not jerry lynn um who did he fight he, uh steve Carino. okay oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. All, right, all right steve Carino. Something of a treasure. I'm just saying. Dusty bled a lot in ECW. <laughs> a lot of guys bled a lot in ECW. <laughs> yeah, but Dusty was like, I got it. Hold on. Let me literally flick my head real quick with my fingers. I mean, people, yeah. It's like when you, particularly if you saw Dusty, like in his later years, like his forehead is Man. was just like straight scar tissue. Yeah, it was pretty bad. He wore but, a lot of hats. Yeah, time. which is, I mean, you know, particularly for wrestlers of that era, not an uncommon thing. Like, I'm sure you've seen Abdullah the Butcher. Like, he, he would put coins in, like, the scars. Like, that's how many he had. But, yeah, so like I said, yeah, you have to give ECW its due. And a lot of my favorite, you know, I've got a lot of favorite WCW memories from that time, too. Now, I'll say most of those sort of begin with the rise of the NWO and kind of end about the time that Sting kind of sort of almost got the job done but maybe didn't or whatever during the 97 match I'm i remember sure watching remember that live and just like, even at even being a kid being like what yeah they just do? i remember i was watching it with my best friend a guy named bunker jimerson and like he and i were both watching it and like we're like i don't know 16 at this point just looking at each other like what the hell was that <laughs> like just we're not guys that actually know anything. This is, you know, before the era of Smarks and everything. And then you just see that and you're like, uh, yeah. Okay. Something definitely went wrong there. Felt like they gave him a participation trophy at yeah. the end. It's like, why can't you just have him pin him? And it's like for a lot of people, you yeah, know, they talk about the, the death of WCW and oh, the finger poke of doom, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, for me, it was that because it was kind of like they never really. That was the like that was the point where it's like okay so you were gonna make this guy your big giant hero and then you just kind of waffled it and they took one of the best storylines in wrestling at the time and just kind of 
over a year building it. Right. And they somehow managed to ruin that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. That was also around the time that Bret Hart came to the company, which, you know, we'll get to a little more. And then basically just, and I mean, granted, he got a couple of title runs, but it's like still, it was sort of like by the time they did that, it's like, okay, but <sighs> again, he main evented with Disco Inferno on Bloody Thunder. Disco Fever. And I'm not knocking Disco Inferno. It's just, I remember just watching that, just going, what is this? Anyway. Disco's finisher was the stunner, wasn't it? The chart buster, I believe he <laughs> called it. The chart buster, yes. And, yeah. Yes. Uh, I think he had another one before that. I think it was basically just like a neck breaker or something. Like like the honky-tonk man style. The shake, rattle, and roll or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, still. Anyway. But enough about Disco. No offense, Disco. We Who love thought you, he would come up here? Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. One word for it. <laughs> In any case, leads me to my next question, which is, did you ever lapse as a fan? If so, when and why? You know, I did. Um, probably about seven to eight years ago. Um, you know, after I got, well, I'd been married. I'd been married for 13 years now. But it, it was around then. It was around then when we got our first house and we never really, I decided not to get cable TV. That was really one of the biggest reasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just kind of started losing a little bit of interest. I always kept up to date with everything. I knew what was going on in the wrestling world through, you know, the internet and YouTube. But as far as like Definitely a... a lot easier to do now. Like oh, back yeah, then, it's yeah. like, did you want to know? Yeah, then you park it in front of the TV on 8 o'clock on Monday. Yeah. And that's how you knew. But yeah. But, ahead, as, but as far as watching week to week, mm. I watch little to nothing. Um, I still do to this day. I, I mean, I have started watching the new SmackDown because it's on Fox. And we have an HD antenna, and that still don't bother with cable. Mm-hmm. But um, I picture you like the Bundys with like the tinfoil. It's like, right there. It's right up, above your head. It, right. It's a nice flat HD antenna. I like the way I imagine it better. <laughs> anyway, but I, I did always well up at, when the network was introduced. I would you know I would never miss a pay per view, mm-hmm. and I would still rent WrestleMania every year. Mm-hmm. Like even though I didn't watch week to week. Mm-hmm. I would still keep up to date, and I would always get WrestleMania. But so kind of like the, would follow the, or the when I say casual, I don't mean this is an insult, obviously, though I'm sure, sure. you know, some smart here's it, like, oh, he called him a casual. But yeah, no, I mean, but in the sense like, okay, so basically you followed the road to WrestleMania. Watch WrestleMania. Yeah. I went from a hardcore wrestling fan yeah. in the early 90s to early 2000s to a casual fan, yeah. My lapse period was... It's kind of funny because it's like I can tell you when I felt it happen and then I can tell you when it actually happened. When I felt it happen, and this is not a knock to either dude, it's just I'm a guy who grew up with Hogan, Savage, Piper, Flair, Hart, Nash, Hall, Michaels, Triple H, etc. This, that, and the other. For me, like when I sort of like felt it like, okay, I'm not in the demo anymore was WrestleMania 21. It was the night that Cena won his first title and Batista won his first title. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm not particularly interested in either one of these guys. Like, they, they just, they don't do it for me. And that was sort of like that moment of just like... It was kind of the new generation part yeah, two. It's like, you have aged out of demo. Attitude era is over. Here you go. And again, like I said, not a knock to him now because it's like, you know, now if we were to go through like a list of like favorite matches, uh, there's quite a few Cena ones on there. There's quite a few Batista ones on there. But I just sort of knew like, hmm, 
All right, then. But what actually snapped me was like, uh, yeah, okay, I'm done with this. Specifically, was when John Cena wrestled one Kevin Fetterline on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. And better lost to him. And I was like, was I don't a- care what anyone ever says about David Arquette. That just happened. I'm turning this off now. I'm done. And I kind of like you, I kept up with it, but it's like, it was no longer, I will park it in front of TV on a Monday and watch raw. It was like, Nope, forget about it. I'm done with this. I mean, I'd still, and that lasted for probably off and on, I'm going to say about two, three years. Like I didn't just straight not watch it. Like I said, I kept up with it from time to time. Like if something was happening, I wanted to see, but you know, like, it it went from being must see to like if I'm home on a Monday I'll I'll catch it but I'm not going to go out of my way and I'm not going to waste a bunch of time bothering with this. Well, sitting down each week and watching three hours of one show anyway is just. Well, I mean, even back then this was two. <laughs> this was back when it was two hours. Well, yeah, but yeah, still, yeah, yeah. But no, WWE went through a very dark period from probably what like 2006 to, gosh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 maybe. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. There's a lot of really good stuff that happened then, but there's also really bad stuff that happened then. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, it's just, like I said, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you've always kind of got like your, but I mean, like I said, if what you liked is, for example, this over here, chances are you weren't going to enjoy this as much. And for me, I think when it really started to pick up again, really was when they started bringing in a bunch of like the Ring of Honor guys, Daniel Bryan. CM Punk, etc., and kind of went from there. Yeah. So basically, when the guys who were like indie suddenly became the mainstream again, for lack of a better term, as mainstream as a pretend sport soap opera about guys who fight ghosts. But anyway, yeah. Sorry. When Continue. Brock when Brock returned and attacked Cena, I forget when that was. Two thousand ten, maybe. I think it was twelve. Yeah, that's that's when it really started to kind of kick back in Which, for me. I do want to say that's another thing. Brock Lesnar leaving was another like you kind of and I granted that happened a year before that happened like WrestleMania twenty, but it's like Brock leaving was another one of those like. Okay, see, that's the guy that I would have followed into hell as far as like yeah, if he's on TV, I was gonna watch, and yeah. then it's like. I don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm going off to the NFL and then to UFC. Bye. It's like. He definitely got me more interested. Oh, goody. Now what? Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, that was pretty much it. Um, Mm. Do you want to move on to? I think I like your next question, too, because this one was Mm. really, really hard if you want to. Can be. Uh, I guess it kind of depends on you. (laughs) But, yeah. And that question is. Who is your all-time favorite wrestler? I had to really think about this one, man. But if I had to pick one, gun to my head, I'm I'm going to go with Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. I was always a huge fan of his. His uh, feud with Heart and Flair. I I was always a big fan of the Perfect Plex. I don't know. I just it made so much sense to me. It was a pin as you're hitting the move. You know, you're hitting a suplex. You're immediately into a pin. Mm-hmm. I love. I like movies like that. I like movies that take a little bit of thought, you know. Mm-hmm. So I always enjoyed Mister Perfect. I even enjoyed him in uh, his uh, WCW run. I thought it was decent until he joined the NWO. I thought that was kind of a a low point. I think him staying with the Horsemen would have been much better. But 
him and Bobby the Brain Heenan were great in WWE. So what you're saying is when they did bad guy stuff, you got mad? That means it worked. Anyway. No, I just didn't think he fit in. <laughs> but I loved him, Bobby the Brain. I mean, to be fair, that was that point where basically they were shoving literally everyone. Oh, everyone in was NWO, in the WO. But yeah. But all time favorite, um, Vader comes in as a very close second. I was always a huge Vader fan. Uh, fun thing about the perfect plex that my friends and I learned while definitely following that WWE edict of not trying this at home. A um, <laughs> lot easier to actually pull off like the cradle suplex on a guy than like that whole standing vertical Davy Boy Smith style. Because as it turns out, it's really not easy to lift a guy up in the air if he doesn't want to go. It's probably safer too, honestly. Because yeah. you, you you know you have the head tucked. All depends on who's throwing. Let's anyway, try. But but yeah, uh, anything in a backyard that idiot kids are doing of that regard, there is no such thing as safe. Yeah, it's that didn't kill you today. <laughs> and you I walk. look back on some of the stuff we do. I look back on me and Jonathan Dean dragging our friggin' like my trampoline over to the treehouse because we needed a a top rope. And it's like I don't know how we didn't die. I don't, like just all the stupid stuff we did and strangely never broke anything. You know, the funny thing with trampolines and people wrestling on them, it would probably have been more safe to just do it on the ground. <laughs> I mean, trampolines, I don't know. I'll tell you this much. To... Getting slammed on the ground is a good way to understand, oh, this hurts. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And so who who would be yours? I mean, if you had to pick. Breath of Hitman Heart. Yeah. I figured that would be him. And there's not like even a close second. It's. Absolutely 100% Bret the Hitman Hart. Hogan introduced me to wrestling. Bret Hart showed me what it could be. What's well, a good uh, good one for my pick? Because they had such a great feud. I mean, Yeah. And I mean, and I was going to say this about Hennig, and this is also kind of true of Hart. It is one of those cases where a lot of times it's like if you think back to like, what's the best match X has ever had or what have you? A lot of times, you know, you look down that list. It's like, well, who are they in the ring with? They were in the ring with Kurt Henning. They were in the ring with Bret Hart. They were in the ring with Flair, you know, et cetera. It's like, yeah, that's not a coincidence. You know, like I said, I was a full-blown Bret Hart fan. I remember meeting Bret Hart probably around, yeah, it was WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. And I don't get starstruck very easily. And with him, I was just like, I sounded like a gibbering idiot. I was just like, (laughs) he was cool. He was nice, but. Still, it's just like I look back at that and I'm like, cool. I made a complete imbecile out of myself in front of my hero. He probably got a kick out of it. Eh. Whether and somebody coming up to him and trying to talk to him like one of the boys, you know. Eh. Got to be inside, man. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'm sure he enjoyed turning a 33-year-old Viking into a gibbering lunatic. Anyway. um, Who wouldn't? Fair point. But yeah, like I said, he's without a doubt my favorite, which that's one of the reasons why I have like a special about WCW when they did bring him in, because it's like, you got Bret Hart at this point in wrestling. One of the, probably the best wrestler or one of, like probably toss up between him and HBK. And they did nothing with him really. And by the, again, like I said, by the time they started to do something with him, it was pretty much too late. So. Well, his entire just. Bret Hart's entire story just got so it, it was sad. I mean, you know, yeah. this is around the time Owen died, and it, it just became I don't know. I couldn't really look at him in WCW and be convinced that he was happy. Well, to be fair, as demonstrated in that book sitting on your shelf over there, he very much wasn't. <laughs> he was not at all. Yeah. At that point, it was like I'm here to collect a check. 
I do want to like, mention whatever you want me to do, Red Rooster. I'll do it. Yeah, I want to mention real quick. I I did really like Kurt Henning's uh, WWE run. I mean, it was short, very very short lived. He came back at Royal Rumble. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought it was for um, a minute. I thought you were talking about. I was like, you mean like his entire career as Mister Perfect? Yeah, no, that was a great time. But, no, sorry, when he came back, yeah, like okay, in, his return. Then yeah, I got you. I think it was around like. 2001 maybe uh sometimes yeah it was, it, it was i remember specifically i think it was like it, the rumble or, yeah he was a surprise yeah. entry but and then like he, he stuck had like around. a brief yeah like had a brief program with uh with austin if i recall i think so yeah and then i think he was one of the people which we won't get into this today but yeah. a victim of the uh or a victim his career at least of the notorious plane ride from hell yeah google it people it's a great story <laughs> so who is your favorite current wrestler? Another one I had to think about for quite a while. And, you know, I, I put down Bray Wyatt. I, Bray Wyatt is everything that... But don't you understand? Reddit will hate you for this. Good. I hope they hate me. But Yeah, I hate him too. Bray Wyatt is everything that is fun and innovative about wrestling. He has taken the character into his hands of, you know, The Fiend and Bray Wyatt he's he's gotten himself over because he has a original character it's fun it's spooky he's a great in-ring talent probably one of the best guys on the mic because i mean i I don't think anybody's writing that stuff for him i mean i i feel like he might have some help but you can tell he has according to his interviews it's all him it is yeah what that's for and in this in this era a lot of guys don't get to do that so Yeah. yeah But he's he's by far my favorite. I put uh, Alistair Black as my second, which it makes it sound like I really like dark and brooding characters. But no, you just really like gingers. <laughs> is he ginger? I didn't know that. Well, the hair on his head is red, so I, I, I guess I, never noticed it was red. But yeah, I like so Alistair the guy Black. Who seemingly loved Seamus only because he was a ginger. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't really seen Alistair put on a bad match yet. I have actually, but it was in PWG. So well, it was in, before he got to WWE, it was NXT like, run. I guess I should say I haven't seen it. It was one of those like uh, you could tell both these guys were kind of done with this and just didn't care. Like that, that would be the best description I would give. But like yeah. that, I mean, everybody has an off night. It, you know, doesn't actually speak for him as a talent. Just like I said on that particular evening. Yeah. No, your current favorite is Baron Corbin. Correct. I'll kill you. <laughs> I will take this microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You out. You're saying that because I didn't say it right. King Corbin. What you're hearing right now is the sound of me talking myself out of strangling <laughs> one Brent Marion Lowry. He's staring into the abyss right now. But anyway, sorry. With a microphone cable. Yeah. Give me just a second more. <laughs> Jackass. My current favorite is AJ Styles. Nice. He was on my list. I was just like, well, I'd... to me, AJ Styles is basically as far as like this time period goes, he's everything you want in a wrestler. He's good on the ground. He's good in the air. He can talk. He's convincing. He has like that whole kind of pit bull mentality and like, you know, just very believable, I guess. It's about everything he does. Best way I could put it. You know what else I love about AJ is that you can tell that he like he loves his job. At least I get that vibe. Yeah. You know, some guys you can tell. Well, he's good at it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can tell he's having fun with it. Yeah, and he's a guy that, you know, spent a lot of time everywhere but WWE, only to finally come in and get a shot in WWE. And as soon as he got it, he made the most of it, and yeah. it shows. 
and you know it's kind of a weird sort of real life version of a rocky story masked inside a face inside a fake sport <clears throat> but still sorry predetermined whatever you get the point well rocky was predetermined because it was a movie wait what <laughs> go ahead how dare you actually you're tell me rambo's fake god. oh god i hope that's not fake anyway but yeah so as i was saying aj styles is like Probably my clear number one. Uh, if I had to pick another one or another couple, I would say, and here's a name you're probably not going to know, but I don't know. Kazuchika Okada in New Japan is another favorite because he's just, like, as far as, like, actual in-ring performance goes, there are a few better. It's little stuff that most people don't even know what to look for, but it's just, yeah, like, he's he's that good. And another, I would say, is Kenny Omega which I have thoughts about him being in AEW, but we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. But Omega is another one of those. He's like everything I said about AJ is basically also true of Kenny Omega for all points and purposes. Except, you know, like I said, as far as like the modern era goes, if you need somebody who can do X, Y, and Z. That's a guy that can do it. I'm probably just not remembering, but Omega and Styles, they had a feud, right? Not to my knowledge. Okay, I, I couldn't. They remember. were in Bullet Club together in New Japan, and shame we remember. never saw I them think, together. I don't think there was a feud. I think it was like the way that it usually would work is once the leader of Bullet Club got enough attention, he would move on to WWE, and then they would like do some sort of thing where they kick the guy out of Bullet Club and crown a new guy like leader of Bullet Club. And I think they did that with AJ, and I think Omega is the guy they crowned, but I don't think there was like a match out of it. I think it was just like, okay, here, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> okay. So I couldn't recall. You know, doing the honors on the way out, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um And I could be completely wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. It was a lot harder to watch Japanese wrestling when AJ was actually in New Japan. Now there's the New Japan World app and all that, and it's pretty easy to keep up with, and yeah. it's on Access TV. You have to speak Japanese to get around it but nah <laughs> they actually have american commentary now so, yeah yeah but in any case like i said that's all neither here nor there it's just as far as most people are concerned probably the best kenny omega feud was against okada and i do believe you saw at least one of those matches not I did. all of them yeah i still don't understand what kind of a psychopath rates a wrestling match seven stars out of five but that's beside the point i know he does <sighs> he made solid five out of seven a real thing, and for that I will never forgive him. Oh, jeez. Anyway. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was definitely a good match. If anyone wants a showcase as to why those two are my other two favorites, go find that match. Go find any of those matches. Kenny Omega versus Okada. You'll be golden. Moving along. This one might be a tough one for you. All-time favorite match. I was up late last night because I was really trying to think. You know, I couldn't pick just one. But there's... I love that you lost sleep over this. I did. Not I because did. I'm like glad of your commitment. Just like I like that you were in misery. But anyway, um, I was, I, and I'm I, a damn dirty heel. I re I rewatched this so I could, you know, be able to say with confidence that this was maybe my favorite match of all time. Um, I'm gonna go with Steamboat against Flair. Their third meeting at Russell War '89. Now I didn't watch this live. It was for the NWA world title. Mm -hmm. um, I remember they aired it on WCW Saturday Night. Which, if like, I recall, that was when it was Big Gold, right? Yes. Yeah. 
this was the gold i think has a distinction of yeah having been the world title in like three different companies yeah same design but anyway continue sorry but they aired it on WCW Saturday night, like three to four years later. They would do that sometimes on Saturday night. They would right. air. I don't remember why they aired it, but that's I remember seeing it for the first time, and I was just completely obsessed with it. I mean, it's just this was like their, you know, the third match in their trilogy, uh, Steamboat Flare, and it's it's just kind of my favorite one. They kind of just took you on a journey, and it was just kind of a best of everything that was so great about late eighties, early nineties. WCW NWA wrestling, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with that pick. The thing I've always thought was kind of funny was I've seen a couple of interviews with Flair and Steamboat, and it's like favorite opponent, always each other. And I do remember, I think one time, I think it was Flair, somebody asked, you know, it was the best match you ever had. And he said it was with Steamboat. And they asked him, you know, was it one of those three? And he said, oh, no, it was on a house show working (laughs) on the way and like on the build up to that. That's where we actually had our best one. Yeah. But only the people of, like, I don't know, Chicago or wherever saw it. You know, or I don't think it was Chicago. But you get the point. It was just a great match. I mean, you yeah. know, I'd, I remember one point in the match where it's like they go on just like a chopping war. I mean, if you hate chopping, which I know Bret Hart has sure his feelings does. about chopping, but they just go back and forth for probably a good two minutes of just, I mean, I know Bret Hart says it doesn't do anything. It just hurts. The whole point's not to hurt your opponent, but. Yeah. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. It was still his, entertaining. But, but, and I mean. He's not wrong, but that, you know what I mean? It's just, it's different styles. Yeah. And it was always interesting to me just to like read or hear either one of them complain about the other because I was like, it's weird. It's like y'all are both right and you're also both wrong. Yeah. You know, just like in what they're saying. Like, I get it, but still. But and the funny th- thing is, they actually worked really well together yeah. for people that are at least from the perspective of a fan. It's like they might have hated those matches, but I certainly didn't. <laughs> Nobody else did. Yeah. It's like the only two people in the world hated those matches were those two guys. But I mean, there's but, sorry, there's so many matches, man. I mean, it, but that's just one of them that's, you know, stood the test of time for me. I, I have to mention just a couple more really quick ones. Um, Hart versus Austin at WrestleMania 13 was amazing. Michaels against Taker WrestleMania 25 was perfection um and more recent um andrade versus gargano at takeover philadelphia that match came out of nowhere for me because i i wasn't really familiar with andrade Hmm. i'm probably pronouncing that wrong but no that's it it's andrade and it was one that i watched not really having any kind of expectations for but that was one of the pound for pound that was one of the best back and forth wrestling matches i have ever seen and i mean that's when nxt just sealed that's still the deal for me with NXT and that they're putting on some of the best matches in wrestling today. Hmm. Interesting. I think for me, what sealed the deal on NXT was probably a lot earlier, like when Finn Balor showed up and whatnot, but I see your point, which I guess leads to my answer. And my answer is The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Yeah. And again, like, there's not a close second. Like, that's number one. Now, did, Mel- did Meltzer give that to seven out of five? Meltzer can go to hell. <laughs> Meltzer didn't even give it a five. And also, it's a made up fairy tale rating system anyway. Uh, it doesn't make any kind of sense. I did not know that. That yes, you didn't did. give it a five. No, no, he didn't. And it's like, oh, you didn't give that a five, but wow. this thing that happened over in a gym sock somewhere that nobody saw it, oh, go to hell. <laughs> Other than that, no strong opinion on the matter. That said, that to me is all things considered greatest match of all time it's 
I almost don't even know how to describe it. That's how, but it's like it's a perfect match. It's it perfectly perfectly uses the false finish. Perfectly does everything. You have the moment where Undertaker's streak was on the line. Again, this is an important thing. You have the moment where it's like, wait a minute, HBK could take this on a count out. Is he yeah. gonna? Oh my god, he's got oh Taker scramble back. Like all just all the storytelling that goes around it. It was back when they really started hammering home and you know hype, hyping the streak. And then the finish. And I remember because also important, I was there. I saw this live. I was about to say it was a you're... big part of the reason like it helps like the crowd that day, everything, everything was just perfect. Mm. And yes, I've seen it back, and yes, it's still perfect, no matter how how you watch it. But I remember that day, like I was just around the time of the finish. I remember HBK went up for the moonsault, and I was kind of looking at the person I was next to. Him, I was like, "Oh my god, he's going to catch him and hit the tombstone!" And then immediately jumps off the ropes, catches him, tombstone, one, two, three, and it was just again, you know, a perfect finish. I remember I'd actually. Jushin Liger, maybe. I had seen that in like a Japanese, you know, they'd show Japanese matches on WCW television growing up. Yeah. I had seen that spot like done there, you know, with like cruiserweights at some point. And it always thought, you know, just, I wonder what Taker's never done that. And then as soon as Michaels went up and did it, I was like, oh my God, he's finally going to do it. He's going to do it. Ah, yes. Was that the first time someone had ever kicked out of the tombstone? I don't know about the first time. I mean, a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the first time, but. I remember being shocked. It certainly, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like the way they built it and the way they played it, they made that really matter when he got that shoulder up because it was like, what? Nobody kicks out of the tombstone. That's the end. I think people have to remember, too, that was before a lot of these false finishes really kicked into high gear. I mean, yeah. And and that's kind of the thing. That's one of the things I don't like about certain styles now is like that there's 28 false finishes as opposed to back then when it's like, it meant something. Yeah. Like, you didn't do it. You didn't see it very often. Most of the time, guy hit his finish. Game over. And especially if Taker hit his finish. And he did. And one, two, he gets the shoulder up and the entire crowd is just... <gasps> one again, and especially at Mania, because up until a couple of years ago, Taker was untouchable at Mania. <laughs> so it's like, oh, he hit the tombstone? We're, we're done here. It's ball game. And he kicked out. But just the story, too, in that match, and even in there. And it really was ultimately just about, I think I'm better than you, and I think yeah. I'm good enough to end your streak. Like, that was the whole story. It was just a good old-fashioned competition story. And I'm went, better than you, and I think I can beat you. Let's go, and let's find out. And anyway, I, sorry, I, I do I do like how it went from that. Like, at the beginning, you know, at the first match, I'm mm -hmm. better than you, Let me, like you said. Yeah. And then it went from that to, you know, their second meeting to an obsession. To, you know, yeah. I have to beat you. And to the career match to, you know. God, that was so good. I remember the line specifically. is like, if I can't beat you at WrestleMania, I have no career. Yeah. As it, it turns out, he had no career. But, yeah. Um, Amazing feud. Yeah. To me, 25 and not even close. If I have to throw in a couple of others, uh, uh, second favorite would probably be the Iron Man between Bret Hart and HBK at WrestleMania 12. First Iron Man I've ever seen. It's funny because WCW did a lot of 30 minute Iron Man's super fan over there. I don't remember that. <laughs> I can honestly say I don't. Yeah. Well, suck it. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Ha. I remember things about your company that you don't. <laughs> Look at me over here. It's probably on a pay per view. I didn't get. Actually, I think it was 
maybe a clash of champions. I want to say it was like Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Rick Rude or something like that. But I remember like first hearing about the concept and being like, you want to do, it's a what now? Huh. Okay. Weird. And they then, had a lot of best out of three falls. But. Yeah. But like, again, going back to the WrestleMania 12 match, WWE, you know, or WWF time, again, they told that story perfectly. You know, you had kind of like the old Bret Hart going back to his roots, training with his dad, the famous Stu Hart, getting ready for it. You had HBK going, training with Jose Lothario, his original trainer back in San Antonio and getting ready for it. And they really, you know, they just, they built it up to me. I mean, it felt like, it felt like Rocky basically you yeah. know here's the guy who's good and everybody knows he's good but he's never been able to beat this guy and tonight they get an hour and it goes to a draw with no finishes and then sudden death overtime hbk gets him they go into a draw is even better yeah and another thing and i don't think that it gets the credit it deserves that was the beginning of bret hart's heel turn like yeah. they didn't pay it off for a year, but that was the beginning of it. Like, because when it was the, you know, he gets the draw. Okay, cool. He takes the belt, goes to walk out. And when Monsoon is like, nah, that's not how we're doing this. Sudden death over time. You know, he has that look of like, what do you mean? Sudden death over time. Oh, come on. They screwed. This it, is yeah. over. I yeah. don't, I don't, what do I have to prove? So, you know, it's like just that little flicker of that beginning of they're going to turn Bret Hart into a bad guy. Again, they didn't pay it off till Mania 13, but that's when it started, basically. Um, another favorite, and this is another one I saw live, uh, Cena versus AJ Styles, Royal Rumble 2017, I believe, which is another one that made false finishes matter. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you know, the, uh, what's the, the attitude adjustment won't beat him. Okay, well... What it from the top rope? That won't okay, you know, double, et cetera. But you get, but that was another. It was a culmination of a multi-part feud. He, you know, there were several AJ versus Cena matches. And I mean, if we want to go as far as like uh, the one that had the uh, the ending, I more preferred that would be the one where AJ beat him. I think at SummerSlam, you know, where the challenge was, can you beat me clean? You cheated to do it, but can you beat me clean? You beat him clean. And granted, you know, but this is one. This is one where Cena tied Flair's record. So. Still, it was another one of those just like being there live. It's a heck of a thing to experience. Before we get into AEW, just again, kind of to check the barometer here. Before it was a thing, did you keep up with wrestling outside of WWE? And if so, which companies? And I mean, I don't mean like in the years between, say, the death of WCW and now necessarily. I mean, if you did, sure. But I mean, like recently, last few years, what have you. So, Did I keep up with companies? Other than WWE Correct. in the last few years? Yes. Um, no. I mean, other than very, very, very occasional uh, New Japan, no. I really didn't. And New Japan was mainly... Yeah, like you would hear how because, good this match was. Because of you. It. Yeah, telling me, look, you got to check out this match. And, you know, and, and I wouldn't even say that counts. Because, I mean, you know, I was I was into it a little bit. But, no. The answer is no. Okay. Uh, For me, I... Let's see. I mean, I guess I kept up with... It's now Impact, but at the time it was TNA, which is arguably the dumbest name for a wrestling company ever. And people still call it that, so good job. Um, I kept up with that, you know, during that little, or probably the years, I'm going to say 2006 to about 2011. Uh, Ring of Honor really never had much of a chance to see. If I saw it, it was like maybe at a friend's house who had a DVD or something. And I was aware of it, but I never... 
I think until I saw maybe Nigel McGinnis and Daniel or now Daniel Bryan at the time, Brian Danielson, like it really wasn't much on my radar. Like I missed the, you know, the Samoa Joe, CM Punk, the original summer of punk, all that. Uh, for TNA, I mostly kept up with it because Sting was there, to be t- honest with you. But that's where I first saw a young AJ Styles and was like, okay, this guy's good. You know, I take back what I said. I did kind of keep up with TNA because exactly from what you said, because of Sting. Right. But and God's it, and honest it, truth, if Sting had not been there, I would have probably never turned the show on. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I, did, I really couldn't stand Jeff Jarrett. I turned I just, it on sometimes because yeah. it was so like bad when Hogan came in. It was so bad. It was fun. I, and I mean, I, I was one of the people, it's kind of funny because I was one of the people that they had anyway. And then they started doing that and they lost me. Yeah. Like, so, you know, they bring in Hogan and Bischoff ironically to get viewers and then just the entire cluster word. I can't say on a PG show happens and it's just like, I'm it was out. it was fun to watch because it was so bad. Peace yeah. out. I'm done, guys. <laughs> but I was never I I was never a fan of the company though. I just kind of watched out of curiosity. Yeah, and it seemed to me like they had a notorious habit for like doing something good and oh okay cool well this is off to a good start we ought to be and then like just undoing it like a month later and that that was even before it got like proper bad but you know it's like they would finally like seemingly start to build around somebody. And then just, uh, never mind, we're taking the belt off him. He's back in the mid-card. Uh, something, something, Jared again. Well, they're, or whatever. It's just like, they're very much like WCW in the fact that they had some of the best talent in the world, but they didn't know what to do with it. Nope. And somehow they've, they're still around. <laughs> they outlasted WCW. And the fact that their best talent, they let go, who yeah. then went over to Japan and made a huge name for himself and then came into WWE and the machine was put behind him inside of one year held at the, being AJ Styles. And held the belt for how long? Well over a year. Yeah. Like that says a lot. Like just that right there. It's like you had this guy and you had no idea what to do with him. Yeah. And he's one of many. That's just off the top of my head. You can go down the list. Like seemingly the only guy they kind of knew what to do with was Angle and that was that was a WWE brand for all points purposes so yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it was interesting to watch for a while i mean when they first kicked off the whole we're going up against right wwe or wwe monday nights uh for me i will say when i started getting into new japan was again kind of i started watching it off and on about 2011 they had some sort of a i don't know like an exchange or something with tna and i remember like seeing hiroshi tanahashi at that point being like this guy's really good wow and then, of course, sending it to one of my friends who's like, oh, he sucked. Oh, yeah, Japanese wrestling sucks. And then smash cut to now, if you were to ask him, hey, who's your favorite Japanese wrestler? He would tell you Tanahashi. And I've actually reminded him, oh, you mean the guy you told me sucked the first time you saw him because I happen to think he was good? Shut up. I'll probably cut this. Anyway. No, I think you should you definitely suck, keep Steve-o. this. Anyway, um, maybe that part. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, that's when I sort of... And I mean, I, w- I was always aware of New Japan because, you know, they used to have the working relationship with WCW. Quite a few of their talents were on WCW. Same here. etc. But again, it was Japanese wrestling. What exactly were you going to do? And I know there's, you know, the, the old tape trading or whatever, but uh, I like. Uh, Who are we trading with exactly when people say? 
probably people that shouldn't be allowed within to trade 50 date. feet of <laughs> anywhere where humans gather. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. But the that like I said, that's my point. It's like back in that day, like if you really, really wanted to see this stuff, you had to go to some trouble. And you had to go to Japan. Maybe. Well, somebody apparently did, yeah. And it just, you know, so it was basically impossible to keep up with if they didn't have like an American company running a few of their guys that sort of kind of kept you abreast of what was going on. And really, they didn't much get on the map here until, and you know, like I said, they had that exchange with TNA even, which apparently at one point, so the legend goes, misused Okada so bad to the point that to this day, even though it is a completely different company owned by completely different people, New Japan is like, no, we're not working with you to impact the successor of TNA. Like, just... No, that's what you did to our golden boy. No. I'm just fascinated that TNA's still around. It's like a cockroach. It just I could you could put a million dollars on the table right now and I couldn't tell you what channel they're on. Um soon to be back on access because their parent company bought it, but oh. eh. Alongside ironically New Japan. Anyway, uh final point about New Japan though, which to clarify, that is the company that I probably keep up with the most now outside of WWE and I guess AEW now. Yeah. Um, Ring of Honor, uh, uh, spotty at best. I kept up with it quite a bit when a lot of the guys who ironically are now in AEW were there, but eh, not so much anymore. They're in a bit of a rebuilding period, I guess you could say. Um, New Japan's the one that I actually keep up with the most. And just to my earlier point, that's a lot easier to do now because they have an app. They're on Access TV. It can be watched. You know, back in the day, no matter how much you wanted to, Okay, good luck. Couldn't wasn't, be done. Wasn't there a rumor that WWE was going to buy ROH at one time? Or I mean, that... I feel like there's almost always, about every two years, there's always a rumor about that. Yeah. And I mean, I think in, uh, you know, considering the McMahon business model has basically always been buy this company and buy their tape library, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's the goal for all of them. Whether or not he'll accomplish it, that's another matter. But yeah, yeah. I think my voice is broken. Listen to it. <laughs> Hang on. Water break. <clears throat> Which would be a pretty cool addition to uh, the network, considering, ha- like you said, <laughs> a good portion of the roster. If they were to do it and, like, I don't know, maybe treat it kind of the way they treat Evolve, I think that'd be kind of cool. But I, I would never want to see them just buy Ring of Honor and just okay, we're stripping it, we're hiring the guys we like, the rest of you can go to AEW or Hell, and we're taking your tape library so we can make a good Daniel Bryan, Nigel McGuinness, AJ Styles, best Seth Rollins. Yeah, best of, and or Samoa Joe, et cetera, best of, and just blah. Like, I wouldn't want to see that. But, eh, it's not here nor there. Anyway, uh, moving on. And I already know the answer to this, but, you know, our audience of six or seven Mercy listeners probably don't. Have you ever been to a WrestleMania, Brent? I have. Oh, I've only been to one. Uh, I went to WrestleMania 32 when it was in Arlington. Oh, yeah? At the AT&T Stadium. Yeah. Well, you know how many I've been to? Three. Well, you know, we aren't all that lucky. But yeah, you were, you were there too. Uh, you were... Wait, no. Oh, God. I've been to four. Oh, yeah? 25, 30, 32, and 34. Yeah. Those last three, because strangely enough, they were all within driving distance in a matter of like two years. So, yeah. First one was in Houston, uh, 30 was in New Orleans, 32 was in Dallas, as you mentioned, and yeah. then 34 was back in New Orleans. But anyway, I cut you off there. 
Go ahead. No, no, you, you no, weren't. It was, so it was fun. I was at WrestleMania 32, which mm-hmm. you were at also, and yeah, it was my first WrestleMania, and I think it was a pretty. It was it was a weird time because on, on one hand it was like okay there's ninety seven ninety eight hundred thousand people whatever according to Vince McMahon there were one hundred seventy five thousand people but whatever it was it was absolutely <laughs> the biggest crowd in WrestleMania yeah, yeah yeah that part is indisputable never mind what Meltzer thinks on the other hand man like half the roster was hurt that was. Yeah, it was kind of like... <laughs> it was a weird card. You want to talk match that needed a stadium, stadium that needed a match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having said that, uh, I'll call an audible here. This isn't actually in the notes. I mean, uh, we don't take notes. This is all just on the fly. Absolutely. But, yeah. Uh, what was your favorite match on that show? <laughs> Man, that... Uh, well, I, you know, if I, if I had to pick the triple threat, the triple threat for the women's title was probably my favorite match honestly okay i mean i was looking i was really looking forward to that brock lesnar dean ambrose match but man that disappointed um the main event was cool only for stephanie mcmahon's uh portion of the entrance i thought that was pretty awesome uh the hell in the cell was good only because shame mcmahon almost killed himself and yeah he's renowned for that i did my best jr oh my god or no my best um not jr Mm. What's his name? <laughs> ECW. Oh, Joey Styles. Joey Styles. Yeah. Oh my God! In the audience. Um, I remember actually seeing The Rock that, was cool. Watching that scene through binoculars. Funny enough, like, yeah. When he went flying off, like I have a memory of watching it through binoculars because that's how big AT and T Stadium is. Also, I got a Coke and a hot dog, and it cost me thirty two dollars. <laughs> you know, I guess in honor of the number of WrestleManias, or just because they gouge. I took a bathroom break during the New Day match because I was like, okay, this is a safe match you to run to the restroom really quick. You were seven hours, weren't you? No, it was actually pretty close by, but I was coming out of the bathroom mm-hmm. and Austin's music hit. I was like, I oh, hate So, So you almost thing. missed like one of the high points. I the watched a dude run out of the bathroom, almost bust his head open, slipping, running back to his seat. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen, but I made it back like as he was about halfway down the ramp. Funny enough, I had a similar moment at 34 when the the IC triple threat match happened and you know, like I hear Rollins music and I was like <laughs> you know what, never mind this. It just yeah, like went sprinting back just in time to see him come out like the whole Night King get up and everything. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah, and I I actually missed the entire cruiserweight title match there because it's just there were well i mean i like ali i like the guys that were in it it was just but i didn't remember it's just everyone else apparently had that same thought of yeah this seems like a good time to go take a break and oh well yeah yeah nature of the beast and uh but yeah my favorite match from wrestlemania 32 was the semi-main event uh the rock versus one eric rowan (laughs) lasted six seconds (laughs) And immediately, Joel Heflin texted me and was like, okay, there it is. We've seen what's probably The Rock's last match, a win at WrestleMania. And I was like, hey, he's technically right. This is awesome. That was a cool moment, though, because, I mean, I yeah. I don't know. Being in the midst of that many people and hearing a pop as big as, you know, some of when The Rock's music What hit, is a pop exactly? I'm sorry. A uh, pop is when the audience. Don't assume everyone's a smart. Yeah. The pop. A pop is when the audience reacts. He means in a people cheering. Very basically. loud way. Cheering. Cheering. To he means a cheering. sudden moment within a wrestling event. Cheering. Anyway. 
No, it, it was it was it and all that, but basically cheering. It anyway. was quite an experience. Yeah, I will say one other thing about that one, and it's funny because I always thought, well, huh, that was kind of a weird way to end it, and then then came WrestleMania 34, where it was like, oh no, a crowd can be worse. Remind me what you're talking about. I, I'm just drawing a blank. I don't know. Why. Yeah, it's because I'm not finishing my sentence yet. Okay, <laughs> you let me, and you'll know. <laughs> um. Sitting there for the Triple H Roman Reigns match and having just basically ninety thousand people or so boo the absolute hell yeah. out of it, and I'm just sitting there, kind of like I'm glad I was part of that. Congratulations, Mark. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just sitting there listening to all of it. Like you know, even if you wanted to enjoy this, you can't. It, it's impossible because they've just hijacked it, and not only have they hijacked it, but they've hijacked it. For a ridiculous price to seemingly make a pilgrimage, possibly across the country, maybe even across the globe. Yeah, yeah, I can't talk. The globe to spend, I don't know, like, I think the cheapest ticket in that joint was like $40, and that was for standing room. And that's if because, you got it from the box. Because to clarify, office. yeah, Jerry World sells standing room. That That's the kind of guy he is. That's amazing. And, Yeah. So if you actually had a seat, or better, you had a good seat, you probably spent a lot of money. And so for, I don't know, however many thousands of dollars a lot of people potentially spent to show up to this, boy, did they hate that last match, and they were going let to let it be known. And yet just the irony of like, I hate this, screw this, I'm going to boo it, I'm going to ruin it for maybe one of the 10 people here who actually wanted to see it. I'll be paying this off for the next five years. You know, like that, that always has struck me as weird. And it's like, I thought you couldn't get any worse than that. And then I saw Brock versus Reigns at 34 and the crowd was even worse. The beach balls happened. Beach ball mania was a big chant. And I remember sitting there and like in front of me, just like one row, there was a dad and he had four kids with him. And I hope you're sitting down. As it turns out, the kids are Roman Reigns fans. Shocking. And you know what? Their experience was ruined because of a whole bunch of idiotic man-children smarks who were mad because the fake fighter they liked best wasn't in the main event wrestling against the other fake fighter they liked best for a fake championship. And all those people, as far as I'm concerned, you know what? Yeah, we're PG. I don't care. They can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. I may cut this. I may not. I don't care. No, keep it. I mean, but I, those kind of people, they ruin, they have ruined professional wrestling. I don't even really like going to live events much because that is the majority of what goes. Nobody hates wrestling as much as wrestling fans. And nobody hates wrestling fans as much as me. Anyway. Continue. Sorry. I, th I think we do have to elaborate a little bit on the fact that there is a difference between someone booing someone because they're having fun at a show right. and like they're booing enjoying. Ric Flair or booing Hollywood Hogan. All well, right. even, yeah. if, even if you're booing a guy that, you know, you're booing a guy, but there's a difference between that mm -hmm. and some drunk idiot yeah. screaming, booing, cursing. At a guy as if... Well, the sad thing is a lot of these guys probably weren't even drunk. This is just like, no, yeah. that's their default setting. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, there's there, there's a big difference. And I, I, know, what you, like, I know what you're talking yeah, about. These are the people Hijacking that... the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's ridiculous. As opposed to... And, and the thing is, and I understand it. Look, you know, I lived through the whole Roman Reigns thing. 
wasn't my ideal pick either, but it's like, okay, this is what they're going with. You know, kind of going back to like the Cena Batista thing, like, all right. And frankly, it's not even, it's not even how you think it's Roman Reigns or anything in particular. It's just, I didn't really like the stories they were telling because it felt like they were sort of just trying to plug and play John Cena. And it's like, Roman Reigns was not the John Cena type. He was a lot more rugged, silent, grizzled. If Cena is Superman, this guy should have been Batman. And instead they tried to just force him into the blue and red suit and throw him out there and you're Superman now. And it's like, this doesn't work. And also, like I said, they tried to force it, you know, because you have, you had him get injured. You had Ambrose actually become a big deal organically. And then it's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Anyway, screw him. We're going with Roman Reigns. And that was basically what you were getting a lot of reaction to. Yeah. 31, 32, 33, and for damn sure 34. And it, ugh, I don't know. It's like, don't get me wrong. Smarks have always been a thing. The internet galvanized them. Reddit, especially, in my opinion. And it has gotten to a point now, though, where it's almost just not enjoyable to go to a live show because it's like, are they going to just do what people are supposed to do at a wrestling show or are they going to pull all this crap? And 90% of the time, particularly at a big show like Mania, that's what they're going to do. Other than that, I have no strong opinion on this at all. Brent, (laughs) comments? I just think it's really hard to distinguish between the people that are there just having fun doing it and the people that are just actually offended and angry about it. But hijacking to me, show, it's I not. Agree, is... I guess in the sense that, like, okay, when it's pretty obvious that, like, this is supposed to be the good guy and this is supposed to be the bad guy, and they're not cheering accordingly or booing accordingly or reacting accordingly, they're just, you know, chanting the name of other companies, chanting refund, chanting whatever, throwing beach balls, blah blah blah. blah. Like that's the point where it's just like, okay. What can you do about this? And I wish Hester was here actually for this episode just because of that part, because Hester too was at 34 and I don't think he particularly loved it either. And when I say that, I don't even mean the main event. I mean like just the experience of like, what in the hell am I witnessing here right now? But sorry, I mean, you know, I, 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 I booed Reigns. I mean, I, I didn't like her. I didn't like the direction they were going with it, but I mean, I was, Hey, I, I was at a wrestling event having fun. I Not, cheered like a madman when he got eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I was having fun. I wasn't it's like, yeah, he's gone. It was nothing personal. I was just and then like, of course he goes on to beat Taker. But I don't like this guy. Yeah. He's we standing there in the midst of ninety five thousand people booing isn't doing anything. He's just me. Well, and the thing it, it is weird though, because it's show. like at WrestleMania 32, it didn't feel quite so venomous. No. It's like I felt like everybody was booing it, but they were still in a weird way having a good time. Yeah. And at 34, it was more like it might as well have just been a sea of 75,000 middle fingers. Just we don't like it. We don't want you to like it. We don't want the people at home to like it. We are the show, not the show. Yeah, that I completely disagree with. Yeah. It's it's arrogant and disappointing. And like I said, you know, I mean, if Reigns isn't your cup of tea, Reigns isn't your cup of tea. I understand. That's cool. Don't ruin the show for a dad who brought his five kids. I agree. If you do that, you... You're a crappy human being. <laughs> yeah. To to quote Bully Ray from earlier this year, go be a fan. You know, just... If you can't do that, sit at home and watch it on your computer and yell about it there. I don't know. Whatever. Go ahead. Sorry. No, just as a, you know, a father of a well, three-year-old, now, I don't think I would take my three-year-old to wrestling, but, you know, when he's a little older... Oh, uh, uh, ECW is still around. We would totally take him there. <laughs> 
you know, I, I would be hesitant to take him to a lot like, of Yeah, that. let's have the Sandman. Give him a beer bath. Because for every, you know, just regular wrestling fan who's there to enjoy a show mm-hmm. and, you know, they can cheer boo who they like, but it, there, there's a difference between that and hatred. Well, I, think, I think if you were to go to like the average house show, yeah, you'd probably be fine. Yeah. I don't know if I would spend the money to take the boy to Mania. No, no, no. Because no. Uh, unless unless you're sure they really like who's who's in it that year. I mean, unless yeah. 10 is probably the early stage I would take him. I mean, but it, yeah. for, for everyone, you know, there, there's always going to be that one drunk guy screaming, cursing, shouldn't be there, takes it way too seriously. You know, and that that does that kills the entire vibe and fun for everybody else. But which is a thing that I do find quite amusing. And if you just go on Twitter, look at any given guy's page, Carl Anderson, uh, Tyler Breeze are two recent examples. And even like as far as AJ, it's hysterical sometimes to watch like what a thirty-seven-year-old man-child has to say about quote unquote the business and how seriously he takes it. Compared to like former WWE champion AJ Styles, who really kind of at the end of the day just wants to collect a paycheck, feed his family, and enjoy his job. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not even, I'm not saying he doesn't take it seriously. I'm just saying that he's not anywhere near as worried about, you know, X, Y, and Z as this guy who probably hasn't left his house in 10 years. Yeah. Any kind of live event, kind of going back to that, though, you're going to have good and bad. Right. I mean, but, I I mean, in that case, I'm more referring to Twitter specifically, but it's just, it's amusing to watch guys basically say, hey, you should leave and go to this other company because I don't like your booking, and hear the guy say, yeah, that's cool. I'm drawing a paycheck, and I'm enjoying myself, so whatever, dude. But, yeah. Some of the most toxic toxic groups you'll find on the internet are wrestling fans yes and the most toxic Easily. of the toxic live on twitter and reddit yep probably more reddit because that's where you can sort of anonymously just be a vile evil human being but whatever um but back to yeah we sidetracked did we ever sidetrack uh like i was going to say okay so wrestlemania stories or yeah, you know, i guess i asked you your favorite match of the one you'd been to so 32 you said it was the triple threat women's match yeah i thought that was fun i mean that was when they yeah. first introduced the women's title or the new women's title yeah and um yeah i thought it was a good match i like becky lynch i remember as sasha was coming out and being you know sung down by snoop dog that was your favorite part no that's not the point i'm going at but thanks for stepping on it i immediately turned over to the person i was with who Charmaine nameless for legal reasons. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally about to tell a bunch of stories involve him. Shout out to Steve-O. And said, okay, so Sasha's going to lose. He's like, what? What do you mean she's going to lose? I was like, she's being played out by a real musician. Look at the stats, man. That's bad for a Mania record. I've seen it. And then, unfortunately, yeah, I was right. She she lost. Flair won. Yay. Didn't Limp Bizkit play out Taker? Yeah, and like one of the few exceptions to this happening. Yeah. And I think on that same show, Motorhead played out Triple H. So, and and the match. So, you had the two guys in the one match being played out. So, it's like, well, at oh, that that's point, right. only one of the guys who's played that out was seven, you know, has, to, right? you know, has to lose. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, Triple H played out by Motorhead. He loses. I think he's 
played out to Motorhead a couple of times. But like I said, if you go through a lot of times, it's like, okay, CM Punk being played out by Living Color loses. That happened. Loses. That happens. Yeah. yeah it's a weird little stat. I'm just saying. I will say also one of my favorite match. I liked it. It was a good match. It just wasn't my favorite. Uh, it was cool getting to see AJ Styles have his first WrestleMania match against Jericho. I love AJ's thoughts about that match when people complain. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think he even he said like one of his kids was like upset because he lost, and he was like, "Son, I was just on WrestleMania. <laughs> Daddy won tonight." Yeah. Or something of that effect, but you get the point. Like, yeah, like, what do you mean I lost? I'm in the biggest company, best contract I've ever had, and I'm wrestling at Mania. I'm not losing a thing. You know, but again, like I said, and that's kind of my point, you know, the wrestlers don't take it as seriously, or at least not in the way that a lot of the fans do, which I always think is weirdly entertaining. But anyway, returning back to that, as I mentioned, okay, so, yeah, you named your favorite match. Uh, I guess I should do the same, considering... I've been to the four of them to your one. Uh, 25, pretty obvious. HBK versus Taker, as we discussed. That trumps them all, yeah. And, well, not only that, but it's like, even on that show, it's like, there were two matches after that, and it's like, we were done. Like, just after that, everybody was just, that took all the energy we had. Is, isn't that where... It's like, they're not even bad matches. It's just, we were just like, okay, I'll never get better than that. Wasn't <laughs> it a women's match in the Triple H Randy Orton? No, it was uh, the Triple Threat... Of give me a minute, Cena, Edge, and Big Show. I believe that was after that. Man, I don't. I believe I. Gosh. We could double check it, but yeah, if want to Google live on air? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it though. And that didn't touch it. And then you had Triple H and Randy Orton, and that didn't touch it. And again, like I said, if you actually just kind of like watch those matches in a bubble, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that after you've seen that. It's like, what else is there? We're done here. <laughs> Finding it? Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Okay. Um, Just keep dancing around here. <laughs> Wouldn't want any dead air. While you're looking it up, now seems a good time. Um, I had mentioned, uh, kind of penciled in, you know, the idea of maybe WrestleMania-related horror stories, whether it's the wow. event itself or maybe just whatever happened you're right about the match listings that's crazy you mean to say i was right about something as related to pro wrestling shocking wow that almost never happens brent didn't know about that uh that spider randy yeah. Savage. no you know who else didn't know about <laughs> it no. anyone any elizabeth didn't know about the spider married yeah. to the guy didn't even know it yeah i agree so you want to talk deep pulls though yeah that that was a deep pull yeah was the spider any relation to the spider lady who defeated Wendy Richter and turned out to be Mula? I don't know, because this was like 76. I'm going to go with no then. Yeah. <laughs> also, because everything I said after that. But yeah, just again. Yeah. But anyway, um, like I said, now seems like a good time. We had discussed possibly talking about any WrestleMania horror stories we had, which unfortunately for me, my horror story, one of them was being in the audience at 34 during the main event. But I've also got a lot of outside of wrestling horror stories and i won't regale the audience with all of them because i'd like to still have an audience but maybe one or two uh i think you might have a good one so please. yeah I'll, I'll try to make mine pretty brief here but wrestlemania 32 um had a pretty bad run-in with one of the staff members 
at AT&T Stadium. At Jerry World? Yeah. yeah Where they shocking. hire the greatest of all people and not complete imbeciles who seemingly are there just to ruin your time. Which, by the way, before we get into that, did yeah. you have any trouble getting into that building? You know, I heard a lot of horror stories about that. And no, we didn't. Because, yeah, at the New Japan show, like just waiting in line for merch... Like there, you know, the five or six people, all of us had a horror story about getting into it. Yeah. And yeah. They just kept, okay, here's your line. Uh, we never were, mind. This isn't your line. This is your line. That's what five, they did six, to us. seven times. And then finally we, some people hopped the fence. We went around and we finally got in. And then of course, you know, I mentioned this to Joel and Joel's like, oh, I just walked right in. It's like, I hate you. And he was like, yeah, see, I learned the lesson of Jerry world very early on. None of them know what's going on, and the tickets scan no matter what gate you go in. So when they tell you move and do that, stay right where you are, scan your ticket in, and just walk in the building and find your seat. And I wish I had known that before then, but yeah. We were in line, and then somebody came up and said, no, you can go through the store, and there happened to be no one in line for it. So yeah, we just walked in. I don't know. Yeah. I know a lot of people had a very different experience there. but It is funny, though, when you hear, like, because there are some people who are just like, what? I don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And it's like... Okay, well, the bulk of the people that were there do. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, we uh we got to our seats. We had great seats. When we first sat down... Actually, you know, yeah, I saw you. I caught you in the binoculars from my seat. You used your... <laughs> I, got yeah. a, I received a picture from Michael of like this figure from way, really <laughs> far away, and it was me. I was like, oh, where are you sitting? <laughs> well, you told me roughly the spot you were at. I was like, <laughs> ah, there he is. Yeah, we have... We have pretty good seats um but we sat we sat down and immediately i was like certainly had better seats than i did that's for sure yeah yeah we sat down i was immediately like man because they had one of those what are those it's like the clear shield like they it's kind of like what you see i was about to say that's usually what you see them for now in jerry world and particularly when you're up i don't know 150 feet or so off the ground i don't really see why there's a need for it but yeah we were a decent ways up the first yeah. tier so there was like this i guess maybe just so drunken people don't something all over i don't know uh, but i know what you're t- i know exactly what you're talking about. and it was right yes. in front of me but i was uh-huh. like okay whatever you know right. that that wasn't part of the issue mm-hmm. now there was an employee standing um at the top of the stairs that went down to the very low like the lowest tier and she was standing there and you know i noticed when i was sitting down that we couldn't see the ring and i was like okay whatever so the match start or the first match came out. She was still standing there. Uh, second match, she was still standing there, and we were standing because we couldn't see. So uh, you know, I walked up to her and I very calmly said, "Hey, you know, it's not a big, not the end of the world, but could you just take like two steps forward because you're blocking me, uh, my buddy, and several people behind us. We can't see past you." And she looked me dead in the eye and said, "I can't." And that's one of those moments where I just stand there and just like, you can't, what, what do you, what, what do you mean you can't? What do you mean you can't? Yeah. Well, my boss told me that I can not move from this spot. I said, look, I'm literally asking you to take two steps forward. Like I'm not exaggerating here. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I yeah. said, no, you're not saying I said, go take a smoke break, not <laughs> saying go to the other side of the arena, just move slightly to your left or well, to, or I, sorry, move slightly forward. There's like a sick part of me that lives for these moments because I said, no, Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> I said, no, you will move, but it's just up to you if you want to do it or if you want somebody else to tell you to do it. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't attempt to be ugly to anyone because I know she's just trying to do her job, but she was being very, 
She you was know. being very what? Yeah, you might there's, say there's, letter of the law, not spirit of the law. There's it's words like the that boss I'm not meant stand say. around yeah, here, I, not. She was stand directly in front of the person that paid God knows how much to watch. She was. This. She was just being stupid. Right. So, anyways, you know, I, I tell another person, I say, "Look, I need your manager to come tell her to move." And they said, "Oh, I'll get somebody." They never showed up. An hour later, they still weren't there. I had some more words with her. She still wouldn't move. So I got someone else that was working with her. I said, "Look, follow me down the stairs real quick because you couldn't hear inside the stadium." So yeah. she went down the stairs. They're too to busy me, booing Roman. And I said, "Look, I." I have been nice to you guys. I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk, but if you want me to be a bleep bleep, I'll be a bleep bleep. <laughs> if she doesn't move within the next 10 minutes, I swear to you, I'll do everything in my power to make sure that she does not have a job because this is, you guys are screwing us over here, you know. Um, Came back up the stairs, manager came, she moved. I was like, uh, okay. So I called him. I called the stadium like two uh, days later. Yeah. And long story short, we got a refund. <laughs> we got like, it wasn't a complete refund. It was a complete refund for one of the tickets. It was like 220 something dollars. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, wow. So good job, woman. <laughs> worth, <laughs> worth, uh, worth pointing out, speaking of tickets at Jerry World, um, yeah. I remember checking just for comparable seats to what I had at WrestleMania 30. Because at WrestleMania 30, we were on the floor kind of over, you know, kind of like where the entrance ramp is, kind of over in that direction. Yeah. Comparable tickets at Jerry World for WrestleMania 32 would have cost more than my entire trip to New Orleans for WrestleMania 30 and the tickets. And I live in the DFW area. Yeah. And yet, buying two tickets right there would have cost me more than the entire New Orleans trip itself. So, yeah. I'm not, not saying cheap. Jerry World is a gouge, but that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Jerry well, World is a gouge. Well, they gave us the like the box office price for the seats. Now, my buddy who's with me had paid um scalper prices. Oh. So, I mean, it was it was like $700, $800 Yeah, so, um, you know, they're screwing us out of that too. So, it it was just it was a really weird experience of an employee basically um standing her ground for Reasons yeah. unknown. So it was yeah. stupidity. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, I have so many horror stories from our various trips down, at least from 30 to like 34, that I kind of don't know which one to go with. But I'll do kind of some rapid fire short ones. Okay. We popped a tire WrestleMania 30 weekend. That was fun. Because we then basically had to get somebody to tow it and, you know, do all that. And then basically be, like, dropped off at the uh, shady-looking tire place morning of pay for the cheap, probably bald tire, drive out of town, etc. Uh, that, w- that was its own level of nightmare. Um, during WrestleMania 32, uh, as we were driving in, which, again... New Orleans is basically the perfect city for a WrestleMania because, like, everything that's, you know, like any building you could run just about, everything's important. It's all kind of, like, right there in about a three-mile radius. Yeah. Maybe not even that much. Dallas, or DFW in particular, is not. Jerry World is in Arlington. American Airlines Center is right in the middle of downtown Dallas. And depending on 
whatever time of day it is, it might take you three hours to get from right there to right there. I'm half joking, but I mean, you know, just traffic is a nightmare. It's, it, you know, it's like if you've got a hotel next to American Airlines Center, okay, cool. You still have to make a 45 mile trek here. If you got one in Arlington, congratulations. Everything else in the world that's going on wrestling related is going to be in downtown Dallas, 45 miles that way. Take your pick. And then for me, of course, you know, living in Denton, it's like, uh, eh, I'm driving 45 miles either way, no matter what. So there we were, but still that said, get up, you know, morning of mania 32, Steve, I wanted to hurry up and wait. And we drive on over. And as we're driving, I don't know exactly what happened, but something in the engine blew and the car said something like, basically said that the power steering had gone out. And if I went over about 60 miles per hour, the engine would just like, you know, just sounding like it was about to lay. And I was like, of all the possible days for this to happen. So it was a steering wheel, like really hard to turn and stuff. The thing is, I think it was something electrical because the power steering seemed to work just fine. It was just... You know what I mean? Like something somewhere in the car went awry and made it barely drivable. And we made it, and I was like, we had to drive very slowly in Dallas traffic, which I got to say, people in Dallas love it when you do that. With the flashers on, we finally made it to Arlington. We parked. Uh, we came out, we turned, we had to try and, you know, turn it three or four times before the engine would turn over. It was just like, okay, this is going to go badly. Uh, managed to get back to Denton. Then the next day I had to drop it off at a mechanics, rent a car, drive back to this area. And then, you know, a couple of days later, go right back, you know, to drop him off basically. And then go back a few days later and pick up my car. And it was just, I remember that. Cause you texted me during the show. Yeah. I was like, man, we took a little car. <laughs> Steve-O's cursed. And there were I'm four of us. Anyway, yeah. no, um, really didn't have any standout, like 34 incidents that were just, god awful except really the one at mania proper like other than that for the most part everything went well okay i take that back we did have one little fun thing which is booked a hotel room insisted you know two double beds oh yeah we got it you're covered two double beds two double beds two double beds well we show up and we have a room that has one king size and please turn to the automobiles moment luckily Everyone who's ever thought about being into wrestling was conveniently in town. So there is no switching us to another room. And I was like, do you guys have a roll away? No, no, we do not. And so, yeah, basically, I think it was like rock, scissors, paper, and I won the bed, luckily. And Steve-O got sleep in the floor, on the floor in misery the entire time. Nope. So that was that was a delightful. I'd have been on the bed. You just had to share. <laughs> I just slept at the other end. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> anyway. Um, Not sleeping on a hotel room floor in New Orleans. What? What possibly could have gone wrong on a hotel room floor in New Orleans? Come on. Nothing. It's clean as a whistle. Yep. No HPV down there. Anyway. Um, I would have looked like, I would have woke up and looked like Two-Face. Yeah. He was, uh, he was not thrilled with that, but yeah, he took one for the team. And for that, I respect him. But only for that. 